Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Giants fans. Welcome to week six of the Giants V podcast. I am David Bloodstein. I am joined by Alex Wilson, who is currently looking for batteries as he begins this podcast, which is, of course, fine because we can cover for him. So, just like covering for our, co- our co-hosts, we can talk about covering the New York Giants. As they won their first game of the 2017 NFL season in Denver, the Mile High Miracle, as I'm going to call it, a 23-10 to victory away against the Denver Broncos. We're going to be covering that. We're going to be talking about the offensive line and how they play. We're going to be talking about the running game, the revamped wide receiver core, and the defense, who definitely showed up, as well as looking forward to week seven and beyond uh, as we talk about possibly the future of the New York Giants. Alex, uh, are you ready to take it away? You want to talk about the offensive line first? That seems to be your kind of forte. I do. So I want to jump right into saying how well the offensive line played, and especially Justin Pugh at right tackle. He stood up Von Miller. And it was it was actually insane how well he performed against Miller. The NFL's best edge rusher had zeros. David, you there? Yeah, Alex, can you hear me? You all right? Okay. Yeah, I just put new batteries in. Sorry. <laughs> all right, we're good. All right, no, you're good. So, it's all right, it's all right. The NFL's best edge rusher had zeros across the board. Pugh went up against him 10 times and didn't allow a single pressure. So I think that's pretty telling of how well the offensive line performed, especially Justin Pugh. I honestly think he's going to get that big contract he's been looking for, and he, he knows what, what he's worth at this point. The fact he can move from left guard to right tackle is pretty insane, and considering how different the technique is at both positions, that he can fill in for Bobby Hart, who is healthy and just got benched because of how bad he performed last week against the Chargers. So Pugh showing up big time was huge. I also thought right guard DJ Fluger had an amazing game. Despite the fact that he hasn't really been the guy that the, the Giants thought he would be, he was brought in to be the, you know, prove-it-deal kind of player to see if his first-round quality could live up to fruition. So I thought that that was really big on his part, that he could give Darkwa some space. And, I mean, the guy is a massive human. He flattened a 250-pound man um, on the Broncos' defensive line. He is six foot five, three hundred forty-five pounds. He's basically the real-life Hulk. So I think that you know he is the guy that they should be starting at right guard from now on. Um, Darkwa saw really a lot of success. He was barely even touched before he got past the the, the line. So it was it was a really good move for him. I think John Jerry is going to be on the bench, keeping it nice and warm for the starters when the the cold weather rolls around. But do you think Jerry even see, do you think Jerry even sees the field again at this point? I think Fluker kind of cemented his position there. I think Fluker is going to kind of going off the theme. I think this was kind of a fluke performance. But then again, when you're so big as, as Fluker is six five three forty five, even if you have an average game, you're just so much bigger than any other you know defensive lineman, defensive tackle, even a linebacker. You're so much bigger. You just have to physically. Alex, are you there? You're cutting in and out a lot. 
Okay, you're here. Good. Just want to make sure. Anyway, so Fluker is such a big, massive man that even if he has off performances, just based on his physical, you know, attributes alone, he should he should be cemented in as the guard. I, I would like to see this as the start of something big for him, but you never know. I mean, this could be a weak thing. This could be a two week thing. It could be a month thing. But I just feel like at some point he's going to regress. But I hope not. I hope uh, the pessimist in me is not coming out there. But I was very excited to see how well he performed. You you have it completely right. Yeah, I mean, the man, especially how how big he is, at 345 pounds, he should be able to move mountains. I mean, people shouldn't be able to get by him that easily. So I could definitely see him, you know, staying on the line for the foreseeable future, at least until he starts to struggle a little bit, which, I mean, knowing him and his past, he has been inconsistent. So it's possible he could come right back next week against Seattle and have a terrible game. But who knows? I mean, the fact of the matter is that Eli Manning only had 19 pass attempts. So it's kind of telling of what the game plan is going to be like going forward. A lot of runs. Darko had 21 carries and uh, Gallman had nine. So they're going to be kind of utilizing that hot hand approach, seeing which uh, running back has the, has the better hand going into the matchup. I think against Seattle, it'll be Darkwa again. He's a more of a, a physical runner. And they're going to be utilizing the bigger offensive lineman, which is what they did this time with Fluker. It's interesting to see because they are using a lot of their effort and putting a lot of effort into the run game instead of the pass game. In past games, we've seen Eli throwing upwards of 30 times. So they've had to really use a lot of their energy in pass protection, which obviously they're not very good at because Eli has one of the fastest release times in the game right now. But in the run game, it's definitely impressive and nice to see that they have had some success. So we can expect to see a lot more runs in week seven in Seattle, uh, in, in at my life against Seattle. They have another really good defensive line. So it's going to be a tough one, but if they can shut down Von Miller in a, in the Broncos defensive line, I think that Seattle's definitely doable. They're going to need a lot more from Evan Ingram again. He's going to be the number one receiver, even though he's a tight end. But he's going to have to play that Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham type of role. Now, he's also going to have to learn how to block a little bit better. I know that Brett Ellison is in there, but I don't really think that he is the best option. I, I wish that Evan Ingram could have uh, came into the NFL already with great blocking skills so that Ellison wouldn't have had to be signed. I mean, it was, personally, I think it was kind of a waste of money. But do you think that he was also kind of a waste? I mean, I know he's, they have a two-year option on him, and they're only guaranteed for him $8.5 million. So it's not too bad, but $4.5, $4.75 million for a tight end that, that sees the field only on 35% of offensive snaps is a little bit much for my liking. But what do you think about that? No, I agree with you. I think that we definitely overpaid for Allison. But if we do play in two tight end sets and we are going to use him as a blocker, uh, he can earn his keep there because we are going to have to run the ball. If he, if he is as good of a blocker as we believe he can be, he's going to have to earn it because now, unfortunately, Eli Manning throwing 19 passes a game is going to kind of be the norm. When you have Roger Lewis Jr., Tavarius King, uh, Travis Rudolph, and Egan, Edgen, it's funny that even as writers for the Giants, it's kind of just like a misfit cast of uh, wide receivers now for the Giants, unfortunately. But <laughs> they're going to be throwing the ball a lot less. Evan Ingram is going to be that Jimmy Graham uh, type uh, tight end where he's going to probably get – he's probably going to have close to 80, 90 catches this year as a rookie just out of necessity. 
and he's going to have great numbers, but it's going to be more, I mean, based on the skill, he has, you know, all the God-given talent in the world, but it's going to be more just out of, like, a desire and a need to get him the ball that he's going to put up those numbers, which is incredible if you think about it. But this team is going to have to be relying on the ground. You're going to see a lot of games where Darwin or even Goldman is going to have 20, 25 rushes, even 30. It wouldn't even shock me if if one of those guys gets the ball 30 times a game now because the Giants are going to have to be a run first, pass second offense. It's going to have to be in, you know, second and five, third and two situations where they're going to have to rely on that run. The defense is going to have to step up. This is going to be a low-scoring it's going to be a low-scoring team offensively because there's just no one left on that receiving core. And, and you have to understand that, too, which, which is obviously rough. You're not going to see those dynamic plays from Odom Beckham Jr. where he can come in, have five catches, score two long touchdowns, and the Giants all of a sudden put up 28 points, 35 points, because the offense went through Odell. It's not going to happen anymore. So this is going to be a smash-mouth, run-dominant, Giants team. This is going to be nothing we've ever seen before out of Eli Manning and the rest of the team. So it's going to be very interesting to see moving forward against Seattle and then coming off the bye against the 49ers and the type of offense that Sullivan runs. So if he's going to stick with this run game and Goldman, I, I mean, uh, or Darwa, or what's going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Darkwa had a great game, 117 yards on 21 carries against the NFL's number one ranked defense, run defense. So the game plan going into it was, for Mike Sullivan at least, smash it down their throats. Just tire out their defensive line until they could break out some big runs. They had the 47-yard run. So that was the game plan. I liked that game plan because you know Ben McAdoo, is, he's a pass-first uh, offensive coordinator. He, his play calling is always going to be around Eli Manning throwing the ball and not running the ball. He likes to have balance, but in this situation, the circumstance, it was all about just the run game, just getting opening up those holes and utilizing your big offensive linemen to open those holes. And like you said before, we have Roger Lewis Jr., Tavares King out there, a bunch of misfit toys. We don't really know that from them. We know what we can, what we get out of Roger Lewis, and it's pretty much average, nothing, nothing over the top. Tavares King was cut. I mean, they brought him back, so you know what you're getting there as well. Eli looked good purely based on his decision-making and his audibles at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he made that, that great audible right before um, that big 47-yard run by, um, by Darkwa. And the thing is, he's not, he's not Tom Brady. He's not going to make Tavares King look like Randy Moss. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, of course. It's, it's, tough, it's tough to determine what you do from here because eventually defensive coordinators are going to figure out, you know, all they can do is run the ball and tire out our defensive line and just hold on to the ball as long as possible. The defense won that game for them. I mean, the score is telling. I mean, the Broncos put up 10 points. One of the Giants' touchdowns came off of a pick six. They had, a, they had three turnovers in the game. This was a defensive game. As much as we want to praise Mike Sullivan, it was a, the defense's win. They came to play, and they picked it up when, you know, DRC was out. The offense needed help. I do give credit to Sullivan for, you know, the first drive of the game, 69 yards, 13 plays. They put points on the board for the first time this season on the first drive. They went into halftime with a lead. The, the key word here is balance. We saw the defense and offense play well. Obviously, the defense was a little bit better, but 
we needed that we needed some sort of cohesiveness as a team. We needed a balance, even though we were without a ton of starters. The young guy stepped up. We saw Dante Dion, Dion have a have a few nice plays, and Janoris Jenkins played amazing, um, despite the fact that DRC was out. But do you think that you know the offense can maintain this success or like minimal success at best? Um, because eventually people are going to figure out like, okay, if we just shut down the run game, they have no receivers, you know? Now, this is going to sound so pessimistic, but I I think this is the perspective of a realistic Giants fan. This was the apex of our season. It truly was. With our backs against the wall, looking at 0-6, the Giants came to play. And then, then they played very well. They did. They got this win. This was great. But this is going to be the high point of the season. Darkwa and Gallman, we don't know if they can carry an offense the way a David Johnson, a Le'Veon Bell, and Ezekiel Elliott can. And I don't think the Giants fan really expects that. And when you have what essentially amounts to fourth and fifth string wide receivers on a healthy NFL roster as your one, two, and three, you're not gonna you're not gonna have sustained success. It's just not gonna happen. Do I think they can have games or plays where they look like dominant wide receivers? Yeah, of course. Eli Manning is still a very good quarterback in the NFL level, but at the same time, it's not realistic to ask them to come in and be Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall, even Sterling Shepard. It's not fair to ask them of that. I think they can have plays, but it's not gonna be sustained success. And once defenses and, you know, defense coordinators do key on the fact that they are running the ball, they're going to have to run it probably 60, 40, maybe even 70, 30. I think the last chance that Eli uh, – the last opportunity that Eli has to throw the ball in longer situations, the better. You're going to have to run the ball now 30, 35 times a game, even 40. The, the game plan is going to have to be run the ball, play action. Run the ball, play action. Short pass, short pass, play action, run. It's going to be – it's not going to be – deep, uh, you know, throws to Odell Beckham Jr. anymore. It's going to be five yards, five yards, four yards, two yards, five, and that's what the Giants have to be, and that's not a team that can have sustained success. It's going to be very hit or miss, and this was a great win, but it's Mike Sullivan's going to have his, his, his uh, he's going to have to really earn his paycheck next week against Seattle and moving forward because this is going to be rough. It really is. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is, and I think the the unit that really needs to step up in, um, in against Seattle is the defensive line because Seattle also has big issues with their offensive line. We're going to need to put Russell Wilson under pressure. We've had a lot of problems with letting quarterbacks out of the pocket and picking up first downs on uh, on their on their legs. It's going to be huge on those third down plays that we need to have someone containing Russell Wilson, or else he's going to beat us with his legs. He's going to run all over us. He's going to Mike Vick us because that's, <laughs> that's ultimately what, it, what, what it's going to come down to is him. He's, he's the catalyst on that team. So the, it, the, defensive needs, the defense needs to step up as a whole, but the defensive line is going to be the, the main, the main uh, unit that they need to you know, shut them down. But I really want to dive into three players that I thought made the biggest impact in week six, and I want to start off with Janoris Jenkins. Um, he really stepped up in the absence of uh, DRC. He had a pick six, a forced fumble in the fourth quarter that burned off like four minutes off the clock, and the, which, you know, set him up with decent field position to, at the, I think it was the 39-yard line, on their own 39-yard line. Mm-hmm. So that was, that, was, that was huge. I mean, 
burning four minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter, even though it doesn't sound like a lot, it, they, were, they were already down by two scores, the Broncos. So they needed every second to climb back, especially against the, the defense that was playing really well. He did allow 133 yards to Demarius Thomas, but, I mean, it wasn't all because he had bad coverage. Thomas is a great receiver. It happens. But it wasn't – it didn't really make an impact on the game. They only scored 10 points. And Jenkins was all over him, even when he caught the ball. He just, you know, Thomas is a huge receiver. That's, that's what it's going to happen. Um, but I do think that Jenkins was a huge factor. He may have been the difference maker in that game. Um, I really want to talk about JPP as well, because he has been invisible for the first five weeks. He had 1.5 sacks in the first five games. In this game, he had three. He had three sacks, and he had seven of the Giants' 14 pressures. So he really earned his money this week. It's really nice to see him step up because at 0-5, the veterans in the locker room are the only thing keeping the team going. For a young player like Travis Rudolph that's, that's being pulled up to the wide receiver corps after all those injuries, those young guys like Wayne Gallman, all these guys that are Evan Ingram, you know, all these guys that are being pulled up into these positions, veterans like GPP are the ones that have to step up, and DRC being suspended did not help whatsoever. So him, you know, forcing that fumble and uh, despite Trevor Simeon picking it back up and getting sacked, he was all over the place and he was making tackles and it was huge. And we need him against Seattle, you know, like he needs to be there. He needs to have this kind of game again. And the, the Seattle offensive line is worse than the Broncos. So they can, they can try and stop JPP all they want, but you know, he's the guy that's going to have to do it eight fingers and all. So, you know, it has to happen. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> I mean, I heard jokes about him saying, like, you know, he's actually playing like he has eight fingers now, which makes sense. You can't fault him for that. But he is he's a monster, and he is being paid to play with ten fingers. So, yesterday he did. Or on Sunday he did. But another player that really stepped up and I was really impressed by was Eli Apple. After all the criticism he's had, you know, not turning around to face the ball, he was benched in week five. He came back and had the best grade on the entire team per – Pro Football Focus, he graded out with an 86.9. He only allowed 38 yards on 10 targets. He made three stops in coverage. He was fantastic. I mean, he was arguably second to best behind Jenkins on the defense and JPP. I mean, it was, it was really impressive to see him come back from the adversity of being benched and people talking about him. I mean, his mom probably gave him a talking to. I know how involved she is in his life, but... It was almost starting to think. I was almost starting to think that you know he might have been another first-round bust from Jerry Reese at this point. I mean, obviously it's only one year and four games in, or five games into the season that he was playing kind of poorly, but that's still a lot of time. He should have at least had a few good games, and this was the first game that I was really impressed. And I think it was his best game as a Giant. Um, but is there anyone else you want to add to that list? I think that there's probably a few more players that had really good games, like Justin Pugh, but specifically on the defense. Is, I mean, is there anyone else that really stood out to you? I mean, you talked about the defense already, and we already went over Justin Pugh and Evan Ingram, how they really stepped up. I think overall this team, they, they showed a lot of fight. They, Especially Jarvis Jenkins, they bent, but they did not break. And even with their backs against the wall, they showed a lot of life and a lot of fight. And that's, that's what I want to see, no matter what the record is. I want to see the Giants with a lot of fight in them. They looked just tired. The first five weeks of the season. It was weak, they looked defeated, but they showed something that should give any Giants fan and any opponent they face now 
Like, we, Giants fans should have hope, and the opponent should have fear. This team still is a threat to play slow the rest of the entire season. You cannot give up on this team. Any given Sunday, a team can win, and we saw that for sure. And that made me very, very proud to be a Giants fan. I was, I was thrilled with this performance all around. I agree. I mean, just a win these days is, even at 0-5, a win just feels amazing. It's like uh, the world has just restarted. It was like the Messiah just arrived. And Eli Manning is the Messiah. If you if you didn't know that yet, Eli Manning is the Messiah. So it's like, if you want to jump into like, – wait, go ahead. I was going to bring up uh, the Davis Webb uh, conversation that you and I were having earlier, but I'm not sure where you want to go with it, though. Um. Yeah, we could talk about Davis Webb. I also want to go over we'll, – we'll we'll do a short preview of the Seattle game and kind of what they have to bring to the table, but you can start it off with uh, with Davis Webb. Okay, so the Giants, obviously, are in a position now where they are in a rough patch. One and five going at Seattle, which is going to be a tough game. No matter what happens, no matter what strengths and weaknesses we currently have for the Giants, Seattle is a tough, tough customer. Let's play doubles advocate. The Giants lose. They go one and six. The bye week's coming up. Do the Giants consider starting Davis Webb? I've been saying this now for several weeks that I believe Davis Webb starts at least one game this season. And the original thought was that the Giants were going to do well. They were going to sit Eli and see what their rookie had because Eli Manning being a little bit older, 36, 37, whatever the exact age is, the fact is the Messiah, Eli Manning, cannot play forever. And I wanted to see the rookie get some action before the rookie season was over to see what we had with him. With the Giants doing poorly and a very possible 1-6 start looming, and a bye week coming by with a match against the uh, 49ers, you know, a weaker team and a fairer team, do the Giants start Davis Webb? I believe if they lose, and they lose in a convincing manner, the Giants should bench Eli Manning, not based on performance or skill, but just based on looking towards the future, they should bench him and start Davis Webb. And there's a lot of arguments for or against this, but uh, Alex and I were talking about this, and I still believe that Davis Webb will start at least one game. And I would like to see at least that beginning against the 49ers. So, Alex, what do you think about that? Here's what I think. I do think that Davis Webb should be given an opportunity. I don't think that he should start. If he was going to start, I think that from a pure business standpoint, it would be kind of bad to do it after the um, the bye week if they lose to Seattle. Um, if I was a fan and Davis Webb is going to start, I would only want to go because I want to see how he can perform. But if, if Davis Webb is going to start, that, that pretty much guarantees the season's over. And I still don't want to believe that yet. And I'm sure everybody else doesn't want to believe it either because we still have a, a lot more football to go before the end of the season. So I don't really want to watch meaningless games anymore if that's what's going to come to. But that being said, if the Giants continue to lose, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Webb in the second half of a game, see how the Giants play in the first half. If, if it looks like it's going to be a blowout, put in Webb for a driver too, see if he can do anything. Um, the problem is how do you beat around the bush from playing Geno Smith? You know, sometimes Webb isn't even activated. So if he's on the active roster, you might expect to see him play a little bit. But he, for right now, he's in a reserve role. He's learning. He's playing that Aaron Rodgers to Brett Favre role right now. Um, but I don't really see him coming into the coming into play until at least the end of the season, depending on what the Giants' record is. 
you know. Yeah, of course. I mean, the components that I look at, and, and maybe that's like such a like, crazy thing to say as a Giants fan, is that they should start the rookie. But here's how I look at it. The NFC East is so strong. It might even be the strongest division in football, and that's debatable. You have three young and talented quarterbacks in the NFC East. Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, and Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins might leave, go to you know the 49ers. We're not sure about that, but let's just say he stays there. Those are three of the top 12 to 13 quarterbacks, all young, all in the NFC East, and not even in their primes yet. The Giants have to hit on their next quarterback after Eli. Eli Manning is phasing out as these quarterbacks are ascending. And if the Giants do not get this one correct, if they don't have the right quarterback ready, when Eli Manning does retire, we could be in the cellar for years. So it's such a reactionary thought, but you have to get this right. And I don't want to waste any time as a Giants fan if I don't if uh, if Davis Webb is not the answer. So I want to see it, and it is throwing him to the Wolves as a rookie with no wide receivers, a tight end that's great, but no real wide receivers. You're throwing him to the Wolves. Initiation by fire, but. You know what? That's what makes that's what makes football so great is that you can just see things that you never thought you would on a football field. And who knows? Maybe Davis Webb can make uh, make some plays and show some promise for the future. But that's how I view it: is that if we don't get this right, it's the seller. It's all or nothing. We have to see. And if the seller means a top two pick in the draft and we draft a quarterback, all right, that's fine. At least now we know. So maybe it's giving up on this season, but it also can mean success for the next fifteen. Right. You know, it's it's going to be tough because Eli's contract puts the Giants in a really bad position. Um, next season, he's a 22.2 million cap hit. And then the season after that, he's 23.2. So the Giants don't have much financial freedom with signing a quarterback. So they're like you said, they're going to have to hit in the draft. The draft is obviously the way to go with this particular situation. And it's going to have to happen in 2019 if they're going to draft someone that's not Davis Webb, it's going to be then. So if there, it seems like the plan right now is Eli plays out the remainder of his contract until 2019, and we're going to see Davis Webb starting in 2020. So he gets a nice three-year chunk of learning in the beginning of his career, which is, is good for a quarterback because quarterbacks can play, like if you look at Peyton Manning, until you're, they're 40 years old. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that, but if if he is a bust, like you're like you said before, the Giants are going to be in the cellar, and they're going to have to find a way out of it very quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be in the, the bottom of the NFC East for the for a long time. So it's either hit or miss at this point because without a starting quarterback, take a look at the Jets, you're kind of screwed, mm-hmm. right? So you know it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. But do you want to touch on the Seattle game and kind of do a little preview before that and our predictions before we have to say goodbye? I do. Yeah, we have a few more minutes. So uh, week seven, the Giants play at the Seattle Seahawks, four twenty five uh, at my at MetLife Stadium. Excuse me. Uh, so we have a lot of momentum moving forward after that win against the Broncos. Seattle, I believe they either were on by or they won. I don't know Seattle's schedule directly in front of me, which is not great, but I'll admit it. So they do have a weak offensive line. We have a strong pass rush. I can either see this game going where Russell Wilson gets sacked five times 
or Russell Wilson is flush out of the pocket and runs for 100 yards. <laughs> it's one of those two extremes. <laughs> and because of that, I I actually like our Giants' chances. I think they're going to be able to get a lot of pressure on a patchwork uh, offensive line that Seattle does have. And I see a lot of big plays happening for the Giants. And because of that, I'm going to pick the Giants to win this game uh, 24-14. I'm also going to give the added prediction that uh, we score another defensive touchdown, whether that means an interception, return for a touchdown, or a fumble, uh, return for a touchdown. I'm going to call 24-14 with the added bonus of a defensive touchdown again. All right, solid prediction. Um, I just want to touch on the Seahawks offense for a, a split second before we have to go. Seattle's scoring in the first six games, 17 points, 17 points, 12 points, 27. Then they had a big one, 46, and then back to 16. So they haven't had much offensive success. Russell Wilson has less yards than Eli Manning somehow. Um, their running backs are not great, which is telling from the offensive line. Um, wide receivers aren't great. Odell Beckham Jr. has more yards than Doug Baldwin, and he missed the first game and was injured the next two, or basically the rest of the season until he was um, injured for the year. So I think the Giants have a pretty good chance. If they can shut down the offense, they have a pretty good chance, but they need to get the run game going again. If they don't, it's going to be a defensive battle. So like you said, it's going to come down to which defense can pretty much score the most points. It could come down to that. So I'm going to go with Giants 27, Seattle 17. So they, they get a, a decent win again, but it's going to be a close one, I think, in, in the first half. But then one, or, one team is going to have to break away, and I think the Giants are just going to have enough defensive power to get there. All right. There are predictions. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the Giants Beat Podcast. I was David Bluffstein. I was drawn by Alex Wilson. I hope you guys have a nice day.